Hello, everyone. Welcome to the It's Not About Me podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode and for making me a part of your day. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the It's Not About Me podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Felicia, who's the host of the Velvety Truth podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Felicia. Hey, Diana. So Felicia talks a lot about wellness and the importance of wellness for our state as human beings. Um, And she has a really cool chart um, that explains eight dimensions of wellness. Today, we're going to focus on two of them. Um, The first one is emotional and the next one is social. So we're going to go ahead and start with the emotional dimension of wellness. I'm going to explain what it is and then we can go ahead and dive a little bit deeper. Um, So the emotional dimension of wellness is coping effectively with life and creating satisfying relationships. So Felicia, why would you say that this emotional dimension of wellness is so important to us as human beings and being able to be mentally and physically well? Great question, Diana, and a deep one too. Um, because first of all, we're humans, right? And so we feed off each other. We are not like the single cell, you know, that lives by itself. Like we need each other, right? And um, it just brings me back to when I was a kid because I think that's when it all started, when I lost my, my mom. So I was like, I didn't know at the time, but I was like traumatized. I didn't know the word traumatized at mm-hmm. four or five years old. So. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my grieving process was difficult at the time because I hit it really hard with like crying and like wanting my mom. And I felt like I didn't have the support after she was gone. Yes, my dad was there and other families, family members were there. We were living with um, my aunt, my cousin and my grandma. But there was no support for what you were going through or for what I was going through. And having that emotional support when you have just lost a parent, it's very crucial and important to have someone to sort of support what you went through, like your sadness to support your sadness, to support your grieving. Um... So, yeah, I mean, even now as an adult, let's say, you know, I go to you, Diana, and I'm having like this really bad day and I just want you to listen to me. I don't really, you know, need like advice or I just want you to listen to me and just, you know, give me like a mini pep talk and it's not a lot. So that that little gesture or just you listening to me or just being there supports me emotionally because of what I'm going through for the day or or whatever events that are coming up that I'm not looking forward to. Um, yeah, I mean, like, whatever support you need, whether it's, like, anxiety you're feeling or just sadness or just, you know, like... We're not asking for much when we ask for support. It's very simple, but it's not easy 
for some people, you know, to give the support. So, um, yeah, emotional support is very important because we need someone to lean on when we're feeling a type of way, you know, it, and it's temporary, but sometimes it's long-term and we need long-term support for different things. And, and yeah, you know, sometimes we're good, you know, sometimes we're just like, you know, we're solid, we're positive. And in some days we just need a little bit more support as far as like our moods and especially women we're very like emotional and I think that's also our superpower too because um we tend to like feel each other's energy and I think women in general some of us are more heightened with those um and I think that's why women are great at giving emotional support but going back to your question, how important how important emotional support is, it's very important because it also can um, give you growth on your development and or the opposite, right? So um, it can give you tools on how to cope, like how to talk to a friend, like how we were how I was discussing earlier, or if your family or friends are not really good at giving you support, it can you know look totally different like the opposite right like mm -hmm. whatever how you want to cope and like you know drugs or food or other things like that so it's very important for development and relationship building so mm -hmm. yeah I agree I think that that the coping part is is what we learn like we choose our coping style depending on whether or not we received that emotional support, especially as kids, like thinking about it, um, how you said you really didn't have support, you know, after the loss of your mother, even though you had people around and adults around, there wasn't an adult to, to support you emotionally. And I really didn't have any emotional support from adults either. And that relationship between adults and children is so important because it it bleeds into the relationships that we have, not only with other adults, but with people our age too, because the adults are the ones that show us how to cope with emotions. They're the ones that show us how to sit down and be able to say, I'm having a bad day or I'm struggling with this. If we don't have anyone to teach us how to do that, we kind of have to figure out how to deal with our emotions by ourselves. And that's where that um, that danger lies on, on whether we resort to a substance for coping or, or something else that instead of a human being, which is really the best support we can have is just another person to talk to another person to connect with. That's, that's where, where we thrive as human beings. That's where we, we learn how to get through things is with the help of each other. But if we don't have adults to teach us that, then we kind of, we don't know how to do it. We can't possibly know how to do it without someone teaching us. And for me, fortunately, I, I never turned to like a substance for coping. Um, but I definitely never learned how to rely on people to cope. I just kind of dealt with it myself. And, you know, I would isolate myself and have my own little like crying sessions for years. I mean, like my whole life pretty much. And, and that's how, that's how profoundly, um, the lack of emotional support can affect you. Like it's not, 
it's not something that that is a temporary learning strategy. It it follows you from your childhood into your teenage years, into your adulthood. And then now you're an adult and you haven't ever learned how to communicate with someone else and find relief through other people. So you just kind of develop these habits as you're growing up, these unhealthy coping habits. And sometimes you don't even realize that that's what you needed all along. You just needed that support. And because you didn't have it, that's why you cope the way you do today. And it's hard to break that cycle as an adult. It's hard to come to a place when you're older and say, you know what, I'm going to start relying on other people. Like it's just, it's not an easy thing because breaking down that those emotional habits where you just feel safe alone, because at that point you're, you're, your it's your safety zone. You're like, okay, I, I don't feel safe, um, you know, expressing myself around adults and then into adulthood around other people, anybody else. I, I never felt safe because nobody ever made me feel like I could do that. So I learned how to do this other thing. And this other thing becomes your comfort zone. And like my comfort zone is crying by myself because I never learned how to do that in front of an adult or in front of anybody else. And now as an adult, having to get out of that comfort zone that I've been living in for my whole life, that's so much harder to do as an adult. It's like, especially when you're an adult and you live in a world where like, you feel like you're going to be judged for everything. And you're like ashamed of, of expressing yourself. And you're ashamed of having dealt with A, B, and C, whatever your life looks like. It's so hard to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to leave my comfort zone today. I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to reach out to someone because it's like, it's so new. And it's so, it's just like this thing that you've never done and it just makes it harder. And that's, that's how crucial relationships are and how crucial um, it is to have a group that you can, you can rely on a community of people that you can rely on because otherwise you become versions of us where we're like, well, we really we're, we're, we're trying right now because we understand how important it is, but now it's like, it's even harder and it's a, it's a bigger way. It's not impossible, but it's just, it's more difficult. And it all starts with <clears throat> just that child adult relationship and, and how much you learned about coping. I absolutely agree. And I, I am the same way like you, Diana, like when my mom died like yeah I cried but I also cried a lot alone and by myself um you know because years passed and you know you know my family is not the most emotionally supportive and you know they would wonder maybe why am I still crying and that carried through my adult years as I was trying to navigate like personal relationships with you know having relationships um I didn't really have anybody to talk to about my relationships. So like breaking up and stuff like that. Um, I just kept that to myself. I cried in my room for a lot of years. And yeah, transitioning into like a healthy relationship with those things, with how we cope like that is hard too. For example, with my husband, he's very like, oh, let's talk about this now. I'm not like that at all and sometimes what we feel I can't even express it in words 
You know what I mean? So it's very difficult when you're trying to build a healthy communicative relationship. And it takes practice. Like, mm-hmm. I have to really, like, think clear about, like, what am I really feeling now? What do I really want to say? Instead of just feeling sorry for myself and feeling all this emotion bottled up inside me. So, yeah, it's a detriment when you're younger and don't have that emotional support because you don't know how to express what you're feeling. You don't have anybody saying to you, what are you really feeling right now? What it? What does your body feel? Not as a kid. No one, I mean, at least, in the environments we grew up in no one asked me that mm-hmm. you know so as an adult 30 something plus I'm like whoa like oh my god like they so I understood like these were like sort of the programs that I was given of not being able to express myself finding the right words um so I had to learn to do that and learn words and and yeah there was a point where I used I talked to my friends and it it was helpful as I was like trying to explain and you know they gave some real insight about you know what their experience was as well about their challenges so it also gave me like a sounding board but going through your own personal relationships oh my god it's very challenging especially if you didn't grow up in a supportive emotional environment help you get those words out help you really label those things that you're going through yeah it's a challenge as an adult but I think now it's for me um after like six years like it's getting better but it's slow you know it's very slow and the other person may not realize that this thing takes time for me to really find the word that I'm looking for how to say it watch my tone my husband is very audible so oh my god like (laughs) if I if I say you know like but he's he's gotten used to like how I am and and I've gotten better too. Like I, you know, the way that I say things and what I say has gotten better. Um, but yeah, it's very slow. It takes years, like, because you were born, you were, you grew up in that way. Your brain is so used to being in that other environment that being in this open, communicative environment is kind of foreign, mm-hmm. and that your mind and brain needs time to assimilate to be neuroplastic you know mm-hmm. and you know it's it's like this building block thing like our brain is not used to it so it takes time and yeah people need to just be a little bit more patient when we are trying to be open and be more responsive in those type of ways and, and especially those that have similar backgrounds to we to our upbringing and then mm-hmm. now we're trying to be better people better versions of ourselves we're trying to be more responsive communicative we're trying to express ourselves in healthy ways and that takes years you know i i haven't i still cry but it's not and it's not very often and it's not very long and I'll just cry like a few tears and I'm okay. 
but I remember before I would like cry myself to sleep I you know because that's the only time I had alone by myself I, mm-hmm. I could just release and let go mm-hmm. and those times I don't even cry myself to sleep anymore um and it's very rare that I cried now that I've um separated myself from the energies you know so but yeah I totally get what you're saying about you know the trajectory of children and then Mm -hmm. as adults and so like I think we're kind of similar because we were so focused on well at least I was focused on how do I handle like my anxieties how do I handle my emotions how do I um, do all these things that people can't see and not be focused on having a job that pays well do you know what I'm saying like I couldn't I couldn't deal with it all at once and so now that I'm at a point where that part of my life is better, the emotional part. I can focus on the career wellness part and the, and the intellectual wellness part. So, but yeah. Love it. So I also relate to a lot of the things that you're saying about verbalization. For me, it has been so hard to verbalize. And I feel like it's something that people can't understand unless you grew up in an environment similar to mine and yours. Like it's so hard to get the words out. Like it takes so much effort to actually be able to say something because you're so used to holding something in. So that process of speaking something, it it almost feels like you become mute in a situation. Like you literally cannot get the words out. Um, and I, I agree with you in, in that, you know, in knowing that it is so important to be patient with people around you because you never know, you know, what somebody's history is and, and why it is so hard for them to say something, especially if you're, if you're, if you come from a healthy background and for you, there was communication in your home and for you, it's like, Oh, just say it. You know, it's not that easy for some people to just say something. Um, and, and also how you were talking about emotions and trying to figure out what emotions you're even feeling in the moment, because I relate to that too. Even now I'm still not over my I don't cry as much as I used to either as a young person. I'm I'm an adult now, so I'm not as sensitive as I was when I was younger, but I definitely do still have my my sobbing sessions. And still till this day, when I am feeling an emotion, I feel like an, uh, an internal conflict with my emotions. And I'm like, okay, what am I really feeling? Like I have one voice that's telling me one thing and I have another voice that's telling me another thing. And it's, it's like a, a battle against the two. And it's like, I don't know who's right. Right. And like, when I think about that, it it makes me like now that I've learned um, where my emotions come from, you know, this lack of, of a father in my life and, and this lack of a, of a maternal attention, like all these emotions that get stirred up by, by things, they're triggers from, from not having those things that we needed as kids, they're triggers from, from not having the attention and the love and the nurturing that we needed. All of that comes up in certain situations where other people say things that might 
trigger that kind of emotional response or they do things. And like in those moments, now that I know why I have these, these emotions that come up seemingly out of nowhere, they're, they're not out of nowhere. They're a reaction to my childhood and everything that I lacked as a child. Now that I know that that's what's happening. It's like, I have two versions of myself in an emotional state. I have the version of me that's like, you know, that's the real me. That's like, okay, I know that so-and-so doesn't mean anything by what they just said. But then I have the emotional version of me, like the, the, the one that lacked that nurturing and the one that associates whatever somebody said with, oh my God, what you just said subconsciously reminds me of the fact that I was missing this as a child or it subconsciously reminds me of a fact that I was abandoned as a child or like, it's like a, a conflict between your subconscious mind and your conscious mind. And that's the battle of, of, you know, having lacked something so vital in our lives that that relationship with parents, it's so crucial to our development and to who we become when you don't have that and you become an adult it's a very hard thing to navigate. And a lot of people don't really understand it either. You know, people around you don't know what's going on inside your mind and like all the battles and the emotional conflicts that are going on inside your mind. And why is it that I'm reacting a certain way to something that you said? Sometimes they don't get it. And you, you couldn't possibly get it because you're not in my mind and you didn't have the specific life that I had and you don't understand you know, the, the needs that I, I, I wasn't given as a child. And it's, it's so, it's a, it's a difficult thing to navigate when you're, you know, trying to have relationships with other people, like these things are going to come up, like it's out of our control. So the only thing we can do is figure out why we are getting emotional in the moment, you know, okay, where's this coming from? Because logically I know that this isn't really like a normal reaction, but I can't help that I'm reacting this way, even though the logical part of me knows it's not normal. So it's like trying to merge the two versions of yourself to finally kind of let the real you free. But you have to like make peace with the the trauma that you have in your mind and like all this stuff that's going on. It's like a, a work in progress of, okay, I get it. This isn't real. This is the irrational that's coming from whatever I didn't have and all these things. Putting at peace all those things, working through all those things to finally be able to come to be the person that you should have been all along because you should have had, you know, your parents around in a loving way. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it kind of reminds me, like, since I lost my mom very young. Mm -hmm. So with death, I, I'm, I'm no stranger to it. And I also witnessed death as a caregiver in 2012. Mm. So I saw him, he was older gentleman um, and he had cancer. So I literally saw the color mm. come mm -hmm. out of him, but there's a point to this. <clears throat> so going back to what you were saying about having these conflicts, like it, it reminded me of when growing up and, you know, either more recently in Facebook groups that I was in and but growing up when people would tell me oh so and so passed away or someone lost their mother you know and they were like much more the person that passed away was like you know 60 or 70 and they had their mother for 30 plus 40 years mm -hmm. right when the conflict happens when I hear that 
because my mind and my attitude goes to, well, at least you had your mom Mm -hmm. for 40 plus years. At least you had her from high school to whatever, whatever. So that's my conflict when I hear like death, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, they lost their mom, you know, and they're like 50 years old and, or they had just had their kid. I was like, well, at least, you know, in my mind, it goes there. So I had to train myself to not say those things or maybe have more empathy to someone's trauma because I don't want them to feel invalid. Mm-hmm. If if I knew this person, right? But for years, for decades, Diana, I would think that way because I hated the world. Mm-hmm. I was angry. I was an angry child, very reserved. But I knew, I knew I was a good person, even though I acted whatever how I acted. You know, like like adults don't see that. Adults don't understand that. Like. Because, you know, we never had that, the support and stuff. And so it's it's so easy for me to say, well, at least you had your mom or your dad for like that long. And they're like good people in my mind. I'm, I'm saying to myself, mm-hmm. you know, and so I became numb. So, I mean, I became numb to like death because it affected me so heavily I was a kid when I was a kid. So that's how I looked at life for a very long time. I was like, and you know, the parent that was around, he wasn't the most emotionally supportive and didn't really give me good advice. So I started thinking and behaving and adopting his way of thinking. And I knew it wasn't me. I knew it was, I knew I didn't want to be that type of person. So it took a really long time to really like, have peace with myself and to really like show like empathy because I knew I was empathic but maybe just to myself (laughs) you know because I can I can feed off other people's energy but I didn't realize that my energy could also be fed off as Mm -hmm. well so that's what I was thinking when you were saying like the verbalization and like fighting you know the two voices and also yeah like the two voices like why am I feeling this way why do I feel like jealous but I don't want to feel jealous I don't you know you know I think those were some of the similarities and I think those were some of the feelings that I was feeling before and but yeah I was very angry um I didn't you know and it was hard making friends too because I was very immature in the way that I treated people like yeah high school was rough like people don't really may not think that way when they look at me or when they refer to me or whatever but it was hard because I had my dad had a long time girlfriend I I told people she was like my stepmom because she was with us for like 10 11 years And it was just a strange relationship, you know, and my dad was like, he was covert, but he was also like verbally abusive um, to her. 
and and you know I asked her one time I was like why are you still with him if he says this about you and she couldn't answer me she said well what she said was I love him but that's like a stupid answer you know um I was like wow she doesn't have like self-esteem now that I look back like mm -hmm. she didn't have like self-esteem so and yeah it was just <laughs> the relationship was very triggering to me but um but yeah I totally get the conflict in, in your head like it is hard to navigate when you are trying to be the person you want to become but it's a challenge and it's a journey um but yeah like and all you know I learned to not give myself a hard time and you know it's a struggle but um that's the thing like this grace thing like you have to give yourself some kindness and some grace and then when I look at when you know the metaphor whatever you want to call it treat yourself like a best friend I mean, really, like, when your friend is down, what do you do? You ask them, are you okay? Like, do you need anything? Like, what do you want? Like, and I think we have to learn how to treat ourselves like that, because at the end of the day, we only have one life, right? And how we treat ourselves and how we allow ourselves to be treated will dictate our life, really. And so we just have to change the perspective on how we treat ourselves so and yeah and this whole wellness idea it's just it's just for me it's like looking at things differently and maybe implementing like a practice or a ritual of some kind no matter how small it is or how inconsistent you are with it at least you have something and if you have someone to speak to um because I think, I don't know why I heard this, but someone said, like, if you have to choose between, like, exercise and talking to someone, someone chooses the talking to someone. Because that will at least help you make yourself in a better mood and you'll still have that connection and cultivating that relationship. So, yeah. That says a lot. I actually, I've never heard that before, but that just goes to show how, how much we desire that connection with other people and how much we see that that is even healthier for our own self, self healing or, or well being, even more so than exercise, which is like what you would assume somebody would choose if we're talking about like being healthy. It's even healthier to have somebody to talk to. That's like, I feel like that that's the health that we desire naturally is just like that community and, and that support and family and friendship. It's so huge to, to our healing process and, and to being the version of ourselves that we want to be. So yeah, that, that we went deep on that one. So let's, <laughs> let's switch to um and we kind of i mean this is basically what we're talking about which is funny because emotional 
um, is talking about relationships and obviously social, which is the other one we're talking about, is the same thing. Social wellness is developing a sense of connection, belonging, and a well-developed support system. So the two go hand in hand. You can't have emotional wellness without the social aspect. The two are intertwined together, which is cool to see on, on the on the chart. But, but yeah, I do like that it says connection, belonging, and well-developed. Like connection, obviously, we literally, we couldn't be alive without two people bringing us to life. So once we are born, we have that connection to our parents um, in, initially. And we it takes nine months for a baby to be born. And that's nine months that you're in your mother's womb, which is a connection that you're making with your mother. So everything from the beginning just screams connection. It's just, you know, unfortunately, sometimes that connection gets broken by our parents and by life and, and circumstances. But from the get-go, we are already connected and belonging, I think everybody has, you know, this desire to belong um, to the world, but even more so just belong in a group, belong, you know, because we we do like family is what we're supposed to be born into. So we're, we're all supposed to belong to a family. Um, and that comes with that social aspect. We're supposed to belong to the two people that brought us here um, and well-developed, I mean, it's supposed to be a family. That's what well-developed, right? Well-developed support system. <clears throat> like well-developed means that your parents, your siblings, your grandparents, your family unit is serving its role because everybody has a role in the family. Like not just your parents, but you know, if you're fortunate enough to have grandparents, to have uncles, to have aunts, to have cousins and brothers and sisters, if you're fortunate enough to have that entire family unit, you know that everybody has their role to play. Like the grandparents are the ones that are going to baby you. Your parents are the ones that are going to, you know, give you discipline because you're their child. And then you have your uncles and your aunts that are kind of the fun parts of the family. And you might be able to trust them with certain things that you can't trust your parents with. And like your brothers and sisters, that's like your, those are your best friends. Those are the people that grow up in the same home as you. And nobody knows your family, like your sibling, like me and my sister, my sister is the only person in the world that can never understand our family unit. Nobody else has grown up in that home besides me and my sister. So if me and my sister ever have to vent about something, like we're going to go to each other because nobody else is going to understand but us. We see everything. We've seen it all. And that's the the beauty of having a sibling is having someone who gets you, who's been there, who see, who can back you up when nobody else even knows what's going on. Um so yeah, everybody has a role to play and that's that's your well-developed family unit. But of course, unfortunately, a lot of us grow up in a broken family unit where nobody really is fulfilling their role. Nobody even understands that they have a role to fulfill because we have we have this like, depending on culture too, but even in the best of cultures that believe in family, like sometimes we forget, you know, how powerful our role is like me as a daughter I have a role as a daughter to my mother I have a role as a sister to my sister I have a role as a niece as a cousin like everybody has a vital role in the family unit and I think we're so detached from like this community um perspective we were so like alone especially if you grew up in a broken family unit and you feel like you do you feel like you are like a piece and you don't feel like you're a part of a whole, you're just like this lonely piece. Like 
there's a disconnect between our role in the entire unit because we don't even see it as a unit. We just see it as a bunch of individuals and everybody's kind of doing their own thing. When in reality, it's the whole unit is all of us together. That's what makes us whole. We're not meant to be pieces. We're meant to be together and create a whole. So it's important to understand that you, everybody, me, I have a role to play. I have a lot of hats in my family unit and if everybody learns how to play those roles, then the family unit is a strong one and a well-developed one. And there's always going to be that support in different situations. Because sometimes, you know, ideally in a well-developed family unit, I might need my sister in a situation. Another situation, I might need my mom. In another situation, it could be my grandparents that I need to talk to or my uncle or my aunt. Like, we're supposed to have all these different um, people available to us because we're experiencing different things in different times of our lives. And sometimes it's not always your parents that are going to be able to help you. Sometimes it is those grandparents that can see things more objectively and not so harsh like your parents you know, see you. So there's a lot to this kind of social aspect and how much we how much we learn about our own role in the world when we do or don't have that well-developed family unit. I absolutely agree again, because it takes a village to raise a kid, right? Mm -hmm. So you're supposed to have two parents. You're supposed to have grandparents. You're supposed to have aunts and uncles or whatever extended family there is, mm -hmm. because the child is supposed to learn and See who they can go to for certain things and how they can respond to or talk to right and so yeah it's very lonely when you don't have that community and that multi-generational household or relationship mm -hmm. and then if you do let's say you do but in the would say like an underdeveloped <laughs> you know like there's no emotional intelligence that's regarded you know in a sense where it can serve you um and then people cater to like specific things and only those specific things and makes it very difficult for your needs to be met um but yeah I totally agree that you needed a community you know, um, and I'm glad you have your sister, that you guys are on the same plane, you pretty much have like, are intelligent, obviously, emotionally, socially, you know, and above. So yeah. So I mean, it's very crucial. And it's so important for children and adults to have close social network and if if they're not family then they can choose it yeah yeah because well like I was always closer with my friends I couldn't really connect with my sibling because she was like the other person in my family so it was very lonely and luckily I at the time like in high school and growing up I was able to put all my energy in books, in school, in my sports, all year round. That really, that really helped me to survive what I was going through at home. 
like I dreaded going home at some point because my stepmom at the time was she knew at the time but we were also friends after like years later and I told her how I felt about her during those times and she couldn't say anything else to me she knew how she was and I wasn't afraid to tell her because those times were over and I'm an adult so it's like I'm just letting you know how you were if you didn't know Mm -hmm. and that's You know, I was, I just had that personality. Like, I just want to be honest with you, whether it's going to hurt your feelings or not, because I want someone to do the same to me. And I know I'm not um, for everyone, you know, and that's okay. And I learned that later when I was trying to make friends in school and some, you know, I wasn't, in, I wasn't mature yet because I didn't. My mom passed away, so I didn't have that. And I wasn't into boys until, like, my last year in high school. So it was totally different. And even then, I was so shy. And, like, I, you know, because of what I what example was shown to me, like, I was so scared to even, like, be open to something like that. I was, like... I didn't, I was like a kid at 18, like, I didn't know anything. So, and so it goes to show you having those social networks, you can pick people who you feel comfortable talking to about certain things. So then when you are getting ready, maybe to experience certain things in life, you maybe have some sort of idea or can be prepared on what to look for. And you know what I'm saying? So. And also, just in general, like, being around people that do support you and really ask you how you're doing, whether they're family or not, is so important, even if they are one or two people. Um, I have really, over the years, I have really put a lot of energy into the relationships that I do have, even though they're, like, very few. I've really made an effort to communicate and to talk to them and discuss things even though we don't see each other every day or even a few months will pass by but I learned as an introvert that um that's where my strength is is um really delving deep into the relationships that I have and having like these deep discussions as well because it just helps you like gain perspective and you know over the years I have you know let other relationships fly by because you know it's normal to let relationships go at the same time so but yeah as far as having social and emotional support it's also a practice as well. It's a back and forth. So it's like, okay, I'm going to text her and see how she's doing every like couple weeks or a couple months. It's a practice. It's it's a two-way street. And if if someone experiences that it's only a one-way street, then you have to ask yourself, like, is this really worth my time? Are they giving me the same support and connection that I give them? 
So we'd have to reflect on that too. And then just move on, even though easier said than done. Um, yeah, and it, I don't you know over the years I learned not to confront those things because in my mind I was like, okay, how come you're not my friend? You know, like how come you don't talk to me? I was like, you know, it's not even, it's not even worth me asking because if they're going to talk to me, they're going to talk to me. But, but yeah, just, it's a practice having relationships. It's, um, yeah. Sorry, I had to put myself on mute for a second because one of the dogs was making noise <laughs> just in case. Okay. Um, but yes, I agree with you. Um, I fortunately also have had close relationships with, with a lot of friends, not a lot. I have a, like a small circle, but those friends have definitely gotten me through my entire life. Like, and I'm fortunate enough to have met them at, at since I was a, a little girl, like since I was nine, 10 years old, I've had these 20 plus year friendships and, and they, if it wasn't for them, I definitely wouldn't have gotten any kind of emotional support at all. I don't even know what kind of person I would be without them. So you do definitely get the the chance to in life to to make other connections. And, and obviously those friends are never going to be able to fulfill the needs that I have. You know, they're not my parents, but they do have love to give me. And, and that love makes all the difference. And And it is healing to have other people that you know, are willing to, to just carry you and, and, and be there for you and, and do life with you. Um, there's a lot of value to that too, to having really close relationships with other people. Um, so yeah, if, if you're someone who unfortunately doesn't have that familial support, there's always other people that are loving and, and, you know, that they understand you too. Cause a lot of us unfortunately do come from broken homes. Um, but we do, it's easier for us to relate to each other because we understand what that, what that means and, and how painful it is. And, and we were, I feel like people that, that understand that are more ready and willing to support other people because we, we understand that there's a need for that. And we're more empathetic in general, because we, we know what it is to, to be missing something so crucial. So if you find people that, you know, have similar backgrounds as you or, or similar struggles, it's a great person to connect with. Um, because you are gonna be able to kind of relate to them and support them emotionally. And we have a lot of love to give. Um, so that is always an option. Um, but I did also like that you said at the beginning um that kids and adults need need that community because it's true. Like when when kids become adults, it's not like we don't need that anymore. We still we're, we're all still going through phases and the people that come before us have gone through those phases already. So they have that advice to give and, and they can guide us in a lot of ways. So we're always going to need, you know, our older adults in our family unit. We're always going to need their perspective because we're always behind them. We're always steps behind them. And then, you know, we become parents and, you know, we should be able to go to our parents for advice and, and, and our aunts and our uncles and our grandparents, what, what have you, but there's always going to be something that we need. Life is never going to get to a point where, you know, it all, even as a grandparent, you can still learn from other people. So, so if it's friends that, that you have, then hopefully if you invest your time into the, those friendships and those friendships can last you a lifetime and, 
And when you come to the point in life where you need that support, you've got friends, you know, that you've, you've invested in and you, you will always have that support. Um, but yeah, it's important to know that we're always, we're always in need of a community, no matter what age we get to. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's so important. Like relationships are very important to have in your life. And, you know, like, you know, some relationships are season, seasonal too, and that's okay. But I think when we change our perspective, we can look at, okay, what does this relationship give me? Like, what can I take from it and carry with me after, you know, that we're no longer friends or, you know, we just grow apart. What can I take with me? Mm-hmm. And I think people need to really understand that and really take that into consideration because we learn so much from each other and, you know, we, we take it and we just go with it and we can apply that to our next friendship or our next relationship and, you know, become better people because of it. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, that's very true. I mean, sometimes relationships do grow apart or, you know, maybe the other person isn't. And and it's okay if somebody, you know, isn't available because obviously when we become adults, we have other responsibilities and you can't expect the world from somebody either. And that's okay. But But there definitely is a lot of value in a human being because every person has their own perspective and and what they've learned from life. And there's always something to learn from somebody else, 100%. So people are never like a waste of time or, or anything of the sort. Um, but yeah, that, that's a, that's a great point. Um, I'm going to wrap up our session because we're coming to the end. Um, uh, do you have any final thoughts in terms of emotional and social dimensions of wellness? Yeah, like invest in your relationships that you do have and learn from them. And if you're open to it, um, be open to making new connections as well. Um, But yeah, it takes a community and don't feel like you can't reach out for help or just someone to talk to, to hash out something you know, start with your family first and then friends and then maybe extended family. Um, I've also made connections in the online space as well. So if that's something that you feel more comfortable with, there's a ton of Facebook groups out there. There's also meetups, you know, or participate in your local community. There's events all the time. If you just want to be around people and maybe not to talk to some people, like that's cool as well. Sometimes we just need to be around people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's all. Perfect. Yes. Invest in relationships. Crucial. Um, thank you so much, Felicia, for coming on, for investing your time and giving us your advice and your perspective and your experience. Um, if you guys want to catch Felicia, go ahead and follow her podcast the velvety truth you can get more info about wellness and how to better your life in general thank you again felicia for coming and i will catch you i'm sure another time yes thank you thanks again for listening to this episode 
Don't forget to answer the poll question and to click follow to keep up with the latest content. You don't want to miss an episode. See you on the next one.